0: Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. How many of you would say that there's at least one area of life where you need to be brave this Christmas? If you find yourself tempted to reach over and raise the hand of the person sitting next to you, just realize God's about to speak to you about having courage when you don't understand everything that is going on. This Christmas, I want to talk to you about the courage to let Jesus in. And even as you think about the coming year, I want you to say out loud, out of your mouth, this year, I will boldly trust God. Courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. It's the trait of being willing to undertake an activity that involves risk or danger. Courage is an everyday thing. When you look reality square in the eye, no matter what it is you're afraid to do, and you refuse to back away, that is living in courage. Today we're talking about Joseph, and you probably heard about Joseph. He's the Joseph of Joseph and Mary, and he had the opportunity to be very bold in an unexpected, inconvenient, difficult situation. Man, that sounds like this year. So here's a little background on Mary and Joseph. They're probably teenagers. Joseph is tops probably 20, scholars tell us. And Mary is very likely between 14 and 16. Man, these guys are young. So you've got these young teenagers and they're engaged. And typically in this time, in this culture, that means you're engaged for about a year. And if the kids weren't going to live with the parents, that man would go away and he'd set up a home for he and his bride. And he would get the house ready for them to live in. And During the engagement was a little bit different than our time. It wasn't really easy just to call off the engagement. Engagement was really almost exactly like already being married. You couldn't live together and you couldn't consummate the marriage, but you were still seen as married. And if you wanted to call off the engagement to get a divorce, you actually had to legally get divorced in order to not get married. Man, that's complex. Well, Joseph and Mary have to have a difficult conversation. Because Mary's found out that she is supernaturally pregnant. She'd never been with a man, but she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And you can imagine, this is a pretty awkward conversation for her. Can you imagine what it's like to be in this conversation? She's probably got tears in her eyes. She's probably trying to explain this. And he's looking at her and he's like, Mary, I mean, what do you want me to say? You must have been with somebody. You seem like you're sad and and maybe sincere, but you must have been with somebody. I mean, that's how this works. What do you want me to say now? And so Joseph goes and he thinks about, he stews on this. And I think there's so much we can learn from Joseph because he's such a young guy. I mean, what a model, the integrity that he's about to display. He's probably angry. I mean, this is really inconvenient for his life. I mean, like really inconvenient. I'm sure that he's like, Hey man, we had a plan and we were going to do this thing. And you know, probably their their parents might have arranged this, but they might be very much in love, and there's significant shame that's going to come now because people are going to figure this out. People are, you know, they can count just like us, and they're going to be like, okay, wait, 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 wait. So, you got married in January, baby comes in April. Something didn't go right here, guys. That's not enough months. And so, you know, especially in this time in culture, there's there's going to be some kind of a scarlet letter that's likely put around her neck. And Joseph is thinking about this. He's contemplating this. He's like, she's clearly committing adultery. The godly thing for me to do is probably back out of this. I don't want to take responsibility for that. Now, this is how he's potentially feeling right now as he's contemplating what to do about Mary and what to do about this child. He's thinking, if I don't marry her and the other guy doesn't step forward, no one's going to want her. No one's going to want this kid. You know, she's going to be destitute once her parents die. His decision here is ultimately about this. Will he stop Jesus from coming into his life because he's afraid? He's got stuff to lose, and and stuff to lose often keeps many of us from receiving Jesus into our lives. That's why we need courage. This passage shows us that receiving Jesus into our life takes above all courage. Even letting Jesus in requires courage. So let's pick it up in verse 18, Matthew 1. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Really important line right there. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So this angel appears to him and he confirms to Joseph hey man, even though it sounds crazy, she really is pure. She has not betrayed you, she's not been intimate with anybody. This is a miracle. This is a supernatural thing from God. Your wife to be actually is a pure woman. Verse 21 And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Now, the writer, Matthew, he gives us a little note here. He's saying, hey, pay attention to this. This is what this means. This is about, there's a prophecy that happened earlier in the book of Isaiah. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. For Joseph to receive Jesus, he had to operate in tremendous courage. That's why the angel said, do not be afraid. Now in the chat, tell us about a place where it took a lot of courage to do the right thing. Now like Joseph... I can't receive Jesus into my life unless I have the courage, number one, to accept God's terms of surrender. This is for, true for you and for me. See, a loving God wants Joseph to know some things about this child that he's asking him to raise for him. He says, Joseph, just so you know, this baby will be God the son. Matthew one twenty three declares the prophecy. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This son is going to be conceived without the aid of any human father whatsoever, and that's going to fulfill a prophecy from Isaiah 7:14. Now, here's something that we all need to remember, just so we're clear. All of the writers of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the apostle Peter, the apostle Paul, these guys all agree and they all confirm, even though they're Jews, they say Jesus is God. Now, we got to understand that that's a big deal. They've got the highest view of God that there is. They've got the loftiest one. They won't even write down the name of God because they think so highly of him. He's personal, but he's all-powerful, and he's different from all the gods of the time, the Roman and Greek gods. See, Apollos, yeah, he's personal, um, but he's not really all-powerful. You can trick Apollos. You can trick Zeus. You can pull a fast one on the Greek gods, but you can't pull a fast one on Yahweh. Even if we're talking about Eastern versions or interpretations of God, which are impersonal, where they're kind of like, hey, man, everything's God. They're not talking about the personal God, Yahweh. And Yahweh is the one who wants to enter in. And so this angel is telling Joseph, hey, man, before you raise this child, you just got to know this son is going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is straight up God. Ain't nobody else God. He is God. And He wants Jesus He wants everyone to understand that Jesus is Yahweh. That's what's trying to be communicated here. And Joseph is told something else by the angel. Do you see it there in verse 21? Jesus takes away sin and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, the angel saying, Jesus takes away sin. That's what he's here to do. Jesus, that name means God saves. God is salvation and he saves us from sin. In other words, let's be clear, as we enter into Christmas time, Jesus is not just a good teacher that came to teach us stuff. He's a savior that came to save from sin. Came to save because there's nothing else that we could do about our problem. This is where we get Christmas wrong. Even the world, as much as they love to enter into Christmas to a degree, and everybody does, They're not understanding this part right. And many Christians aren't understanding this part right. Often the world's version of Christmas is, hey, everybody, let's gather around. You know, let's lock hands. Let's look at all the Christmas lights. You know, they're just there to remind us that we're all going to get there someday. You know, humans are going to win and we're just going to keep on progressing and it's all going to be good. So just believe in the light that is within you. I recall in... Christmas Vacation, one of my family's favorite movies. Every year we watch it, and every year we get to the end of the movie and Clark Griswold, he's like, "And that's the meaning of Christmas, kids." And he says something kind of ridiculous and dumb, but totally not the meaning of Christmas. And every year I'm f- a fresh letdown cuz I'm like, "Clark, that is so not the meaning of Christmas." And that's the world's version of Christmas. They're like, "Hey man, we're just all going to get there and be great." And I'm like, Dude, that's exactly the opposite of the meaning of Christmas. The real meaning of Christmas is you are not able to solve the core of what is wrong with the world. The problem is inside of you. There's nothing you can do to ultimately fix it. Plus, there's a penalty for all the ways you're hurting one another, you're hurting God, and you're hurting the world. You need a Savior because you can't save yourself. And when He saves you, it's sheer Grace, it's not you working your way back to God. It's God just coming along and saying, you're in trouble. Let me get you out. Let me just grab you and save you out of this mess because that's what I am. I'm a savior. He's not a teacher that instructs you how to save yourself, but a savior who comes to save you. So you're saved by God's decision to love you despite your betraying heart. We have to remember that in God's heart, your sin is adulterous toward him. It's not a social misstep. Now, this is hard, but we have to let this sink in. People want to run away from contemplating how much they've done wrong. But the problem is, in order to avoid feeling bad about ourselves, we aren't honest with ourselves. So don't settle for just like, well, you know, I'm a good person. That's pretty relative, depending on what century you live in. Just think through all the ways you've been cruel. You've been unfaithful in your mind. You've been vengeful. You've been exceedingly hurtful with your words. You've deceived people. God knows about all these. And there's nothing you can do to get out from the penalty of those unless someone can take the penalty for you who hasn't done anything wrong. That's the Christmas gift. And it's not just forgiveness. It's open arms, welcoming you back into the family so that you have no reason to ever be ashamed anymore. Okay, so now in the, in the chat, is there a place in your life where you tend to have a hard time being honest with yourself? To the degree that you can, tell us about it in the chat or in the group. But there's something else here. We can't really come to know Jesus until we have the courage to make him our authority. It can't just be words. This is what the angel said to Joseph. Did you catch it? She will have a son and you are to name him Jesus, The angel is telling him, you don't have the right to name your child. In other words, even now, but especially when it was the father's privilege to name the child, they're going to name him based on what the father wants. And they're kind of almost in a way prophesying over them. But the angel wants Joseph to know from God, hey, Joseph, let's just be clear. You don't get to name this kid. You don't. He already has a name because he's actually got authority over you. Okay, now we understand that it's the parents' privilege to name their kids. I've got five kids and no one else came in the room and named them for us when they were born. Kenzie and I named the kids. Anything you create, you get to name. If you have a business, you get to name the business. If you have an invention, you get to name the invention. So the angel's saying, Joseph, you don't really have the authority over this child in the way normal parents do. He'll be born infinitely older than you. The father's already named him Jesus. His name is Jesus. It means God saves. And what it means for Joseph is what it means for us, my friends. If you want to receive this child into your life, this child does not come under your management. When Jesus comes into your life, you don't get to name him. He names you. The namer is the one with the authority. And we see this all the time. We, see, we, we have to have a desire to not want to live a life where we represent um, a different life than we're claiming. We don't want to say to people, oh yeah, I follow Jesus. And, and people are like, I don't know that you do because you act very different than someone who follows Jesus. It hurts the cause of Christ when we want Jesus to save us, but we don't want him as our authority. You know, people are scared to come to Christ. And the first reason is they think, People are going to laugh at me. And the second reason is they think, if I become a Christian, will I be able to do this? Or will I be able to do that? Will I be able to do the things that I want to do? Or will Jesus help me do whatever I want to do? And Jesus Christ comes in saying, you have no idea what I'm going to tell you to do. The point is, we say, whatever you tell me to do, since you're a king, I will do. And unless you say that to him, He doesn't come in at all. That's the reason why people pull back. There's no coming to Jesus really unless we accept his terms of surrender. And he wants to save us. He wants to be our best friend. Sometimes we think about Jesus like this giant fluffy Barney in the sky. And like he just wants to sing songs and cuddle with us all day long. But he says, I'm the authority. You don't name me, I name you. You don't define what I am. You don't take little pieces of Jesus and string it together and wrap it around the Christmas tree. You don't make God in your image. Jesus recreates you and I in his image. He's doing the naming. He's the one saying, "Um, you are gonna be this and you're gonna flourish and you will live and be fruitful. But it's all him doing the naming. We don't name Jesus. Can somebody say amen? When Jesus comes into our lives, he's the one doing the naming. And when we come to Jesus, we say, Jesus, I just don't even know what you're going to do with my life. I believe you're going to make me. If I follow your ways, you're going to make things better and you're going to bring a lot of joy and blessing and peace in my life that I never knew before. The the freedom of a clean conscience, of of always knowing God's in control. And I believe absolutely that in heaven it's going to be awesome for sure, 100%. But the truth is, you make me and I absolutely have no idea, no guarantees exactly what is going to happen because it's not about my agenda. It's about Jesus's agenda. I cannot receive Jesus into my life unless I have the courage, number two, to obey immediately when I don't understand completely. Now that's a big deal and a huge responsibility to embrace. Think about this from Joseph's perspective. He's embracing a permanent marriage, taking responsibility for a child with sketchy info about what's going to happen. It's a major life-altering obligation to embrace. I mean, this is a big, big thing for the angel to ask Joseph to do. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, angel, you're not really giving me very much. I don't know if you notice, but there's not a lot of detail here. I'm a little worried about what it is I'm supposed to do. So you're telling me just name him and then he's going to save? I would want more information than that. I'd be like, what else do I have to do? He's like saying... Am I gonna know what I'm supposed to teach this kid? Do I have to show him something about saving the world? Is there a moment where we start engaging, you know, that class or that set of skills? What exactly is my responsibility? It's weighty enough that I gotta marry this girl and we've gotta have this shame thing. Then I raise this kid. Am I gonna know what to do at certain times? Hey Lord, you know, you're just not giving me a lot and you're expecting me to obey completely without a lot of information. And God's like, yes, yes, that's exactly right. And we know, of course, on the other side of this thing, there's, there's roughly 33 years between when Joseph names the child and when Jesus actually fulfills the prophecy of saving the world on the cross. And that's a lot of time. And there's like no other details between then. And yet Joseph, he buys it. He, he musters his courage. And he's like, yes, I will do that. I'll obey immediately when I don't understand completely because he had the courage to trust that the outcome is God's responsibility. Just obedience is mine. The outcome is God's responsibility. Just obedience is mine. See, extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. And we really, dude, we just have no idea what we're setting in motion when we obey what God puts on our heart. And it might be that we weren't really planning on doing much different anyway, so we just need to have the courage. For God, it's like, Joseph, I really want you to do what you were going to do anyway. You were going to marry the girl, so just marry her. Just do it. Just do the thing you already understood. Just take the step, the one step that is lit up, the one thing you know to do, do that thing and see what happens. It's just an ordinary obedience, but see what I will do with it. You've gone back and forth now. Just do it. Just go. You have enough information. You don't know everything, but you know enough to take your next step. In verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. So here's the question. Will you, here on Christmas Eve, will you accept God On his own terms, will you have the courage to admit God owes you nothing and that you're helpless? You are a sinner. You can't save yourself. You can't live the life you should. You can't possibly live up to God's standards. And this takes the greatest courage of all. Do you have the courage to admit that you need to be saved? That you need to be rescued? That you need to be helped? Not a helping hand, but rescued. Because you're a sinner. Do you have the courage to say, God, you don't owe me anything, but you're going to save me only because you love me. How many understand enough just to do that next thing? Do you know enough to trust Christ's authority in your life completely? You know, the truth is, you don't know what 2021 holds. None of us do. Nobody could have predicted all the stuff that happened this year, but we do know a few things For certain, we do know that God has a plan and purpose for your life. We know that. We do know that God will always be with you no matter what you go through. And we do know that cooperating with God and His plan is the only way to really live. The other way of living is a dead end. In fact, there are three warning signs when we're not following God's plan. Fatigue, frustration, and fear. When we're fatigued, it's often because we're following our plan and not God's plan. When we're frustrated, it's often because we're following Our plan and not God's plan. When we're fearful, it's often because we're filled with worry and anxiety because we're following our plan and not God's plan. That's why God sent Jesus to be our Savior. Not just to save you from sin, yes, He did come to do that, but also to save you and I from the effects of sin. What are the effects of sin? We've got failure, fatigue, frustration, fear, doubt, depression, resentment, anger bitterness, shame, guilt, all the different emotions that come from not going with God's plan for your life. So that's why God sent Jesus at Christmas. The Bible says in Psalm 138, the Lord will work out his plans for my life for his faithful love endures forever. God says, I have a plan and I'll work it all out if you trust me. And who does he want you to trust? The person he sent at Christmas. At the first Christmas, the angels announced, today a Savior is born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So why do we celebrate Christmas? Because God sent you a Savior. A Savior has been born to you. He's a personal Savior. You say, I'm not drowning. What do I need a Savior for? Believe me, if you didn't need a Savior, God wouldn't have wasted time sending one. You and I both need Saviors. Whether you realize it or not, you need a Savior. You need a Savior to save you from yourself. You need a Savior to save you To forgive. You need a new identity that isn't based on your performance, but based on an unlosable love. You need a savior to save you for eternity. You need a savior to forgive all your sins. You need a savior to help you figure out the right path. You need a savior in a hundred different ways and you need God in your life. So here's the question. Do you have the courage to accept God's gift to you? I've told this so many times at Christmas, but I want to share it again. It's like an unopened Christmas gift. Let's say that you were to give me a Christmas gift and I went over and I put it under the tree. But long about next March or April, you say, hey, Carter, how'd you like the Christmas gift? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure it's a great gift. Unfortunately, what are you gonna do? I was just too busy to unwrap it. And you're like, what? You didn't even take the time to unwrap it? Of course, you would have your feelings hurt and I would miss the benefit of a great gift. Yet millions of people celebrate Christmas after Christmas after Christmas and they never open the gift. You may have celebrated Christmas every year of your life and you've never opened the gift. What? what? What is that even about? What's the logic of that? God sent you a savior. Have you accepted the gift? If not, then like why even put up lights? Why even give the gifts? Before you were born, God knew that you would be watching today. And he wanted to say this to you. He wanted to say, you matter to me. I love you and I have a plan for your life and it's a better plan, it's a more fulfilling plan and it's an eternal plan. It's a whole lot more useful than the messed up plan you've been going with. All of us are in one of three spiritual categories. We're seekers, we're saved or we're stumblers. I've seen all three categories. Some of us are seekers. That's a good thing. That means you're checking out God. You say, I don't even know, but I'm checking it out. I'm trying to discover it. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing if there's anything to this. The wise men, were seekers. Just as God guided the wise men to Bethlehem, he guided you to this video. And some of us are in the second category. You're saved. That means you've already accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. You know it. You're confident about it. You know your past is forgiven. You know that you have a purpose for living and you know that your home is in heaven. And it's time for us to celebrate that. Some of us, many of us, Are in the third category, which we could just call stumblers. That means I know Jesus, but I've kind of lost contact with him over the years. Weeks ago, maybe months ago, maybe it was years ago. I felt close to God, but I haven't felt close to God in a long time. It's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come home to God this Christmas. It's not that hard, and he's waiting to receive and accept you. So wherever you are, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, I want to close with a Christmas prayer. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me, whether you're a seeker, stumbler, or a saved person. And as I pray this, you can just say in your mind, me too. Now the words are going to appear on the screen and I just want you to pray along with me. Dear God, I really do want to know you. I want to know you better in 2021. I realize now that you've been trying to get my attention, I know something was missing in my life. I just didn't really know what it was. I didn't know it was you. I admit I've been focusing on my plan, not your plan. I want things to change. Thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. This Christmas, I accept your gift of salvation. I grab your hand and I have the courage to accept your forgiveness. Jesus, I turn from my own ways and I start following you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to learn to love you And trust you, replace my confusion with your peace. Replace my guilt with your forgiveness. Replace my uncertainty about death with your gift of eternal life. And I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, if you just prayed that prayer, do me a favor, head on over to fierce.church slash next. We want to know about it and we want to help you get started the right way. It's a really big deal, especially on Christmas Eve. How about a round of applause for everybody who had the courage to come to Jesus today. Glory to God. And Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe? Share it with your friends. Click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.